0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Sardana Osband, here with my friend Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masach Kitubot, daf Yud Aleph, page eleven. This is a daf we're not going to be happy with. I'm not quite sure what else to say about it, and I'll just dive into it and start with the Mishnah that's going to be bothersome. <speaking in Hebrew> The not the Tuim. So here we're talking about different categories of women: a female convert or a captive woman, or maid service, or somebody who was ransomed with being captive, or someone who converted, uh, who converted, or somebody who was freed, meaning a maid servant who was freed. So these are all categories of women who there's sort of an assumption about that they would have had uh, sexual relations in their particular set of circumstances. But if they uh, get married uh, less than being three years old and one, if if these, sorry, if this set of circumstances took place and ended before they were three years and one day old, okay, then their marriage contract, in other words, their ketuba, is still going to be worth 200 dinars because we will still assume that they have the status of a virgin so what is this Mishnah really trying to say the Mishnah is trying to say is that if there was a sexual relationship below age three it's not considered to be full intercourse essentially because the gemara believes it gets explained later on that the hymen would essentially grow back um i don't have much to say in order to process this Um, You know, I think it's bothersome in multiple levels, one being, you know, this whole discussion again of, uh, you know, girls who are under age three. Um, The second level being, you know, I think these are all categories of women who are basically mistreated or there's uh, an assumption of, you know, promiscuity. So how could they possibly have stayed uh, a virgin? Um, And then it goes on to say the Islam Tana aptitude but they are subject to a claim of their virginity. Because in other words, if we're going to assume a status, we give them a status of virginity, uh, then that that status can also be contested. And that's basically the Mishnah. It's a very, very short Mishnah. Um, and do you have anything to say? Because I don't have anything good to say here.
1: Um, I don't think this bothers me as much as you, um, for no, starters. Interesting. I okay. think that the, the three-year-old thing is a parameter. And I think that we... I I'm, that's what it is. It's there to be a definition. So whether three is the right age or whether that should be older or younger, we can talk about different generations and different eras. And, and we could also talk about the fact that there are a lot of sickos out there and that it's be not too young for for, again, for as a definition. In terms of anybody setting out to do this for the daughter i think the answer is no even in those countries like nowadays when recently there was some discussion of you know i don't remember where pakistan or afghanistan or something where the the we talked about this on the podcast at the time where the stories broke about how um girls were being sold for food meaning sold off marriage and they were minors but they were 10 or 11 or meaning it was horrible i'm not underplaying that at all that this mishnah doesn't phase me in that way because it's at this point in the Mishnaic um structure of law to me it's a matter of you know these are the definitions and the definition is you know before three a girl isn't even a girl she's just a baby you know i would say that that's how we would translate
0: right. it. also it's a it's an understanding of anatomy for them whether that understanding is correct they do believe and you'll see it on this page that the hymen would actually grow back So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a technical parameter for them, but again, for the modern learner, it's, it just, it's a difficult thing I think to read and to process, but I agree with you. I think it's not emotional for them. I think it's totally just setting up a parameter, whether we like that parameter or that parameter sits with us is a different discussion. Exactly. Um, so then the Gemara goes on. I just want to point to one piece of Gemara. The Gemara gets into an interesting discussion about converts who sort of want to uh, forego their conversion. So the, I'm jumping down a little bit. I'm a Rabbi Yosef. Rav Yosef says, and we're talking about a minor who converted, right? When they reach majority, when they get to be an adult, they actually can, the word literally means like a pro, protest or a no, uh, uh, their conversion so Abai raised an objection to this right right so he quotes our Mishnah as an objection to this and he says if it enters your mind to say that when they get to be an adult they can protest this, right? Do we go and give her a payment of her ketubah? And then she can like use that money as a non Jew. So what follows is essentially a discussion, which is, yes, she's allowed on the one hand, we allow her to collect a ketubah of 200 dinars. But on the other hand, if she's allowed to basically forego her conversion, when she becomes an adult, the question is, would somebody sort of purposefully be like, OK, I don't want to be Jewish anymore. And now I can get two hundred dollars, two hundred dinars for doing that. And that's kind of like what they want to uh, discuss here. But I think what's more interesting to me, you know, besides the question of the status of the ketubah, is this discussion that follows about whether or not uh, a, a convert as a child is later a lot uh, later on allowed to sort of renounce that conversion as an adult. And we see that that is definitely something that the Gemara understood happens um, and is allowed to happen, right? That one can make, a different choice can be made from when you're a child to when you are an adult. So just pay a close attention to that discussion that ensues. And again, I think another you know example of, and I still haven't started doing it, and we're only on page 11, of why Ketubot is the special Masachet it is. Every single dot seems to bring up a different category of halacha that we would not even think of, right? And here, the category is, it's in the concept of a ketubah, the category is the convert who decides to renounce their conversion as an adult.
1: Okay. Um, I'm going to continue on to the next Mishnah, which I don't know that it's getting better for, you know, in terms of parameters that we're establishing. But I think that this next Mishnah does something that we've referred to in the podcast, and also it becomes very important in recognizing, again, the definition of who is a virgin, right? And the question of how a hymen should without sexual intercourse is also relevant. And this Mishnah acknowledges that. So we're talking about a, a case of either where you have an adult male who has intercourse with a minor girl who is younger than three years old obviously that is a very troubling description that's you know i want to hope that it never actually happened or does or happens ever right it's awful but katan a minor boy who's less than nine years old uh al-Hagdullah, who has intercourse with an adult woman and again we've talked about this we talked about this that the biology of this is a little bit um possible you know possibly not so possible um not not so likely but in any case these are the definition the the edges of the the scheme right i would say um umukat 8 so again we're going to talk about different levels of ways that the person the a woman who is a virgin or a girl who is a virgin remains virginal um umukat 8 umukat 8 is a is a woman or a girl whose hymen is ruptured by, in this case, wood, right, for some reason, like she's, I don't know, sitting on a fence, or we nowadays might talk about horseback riding or gymnastics or something like that. Mayer. So according to Rebbe Mayer, none of these acts constitutes sexual intercourse for the same rupturing a hymen to the extent that or they might actually rupture a hymen, but it doesn't matter. The, the halachic status of a, of a betula, of a virgin, remains in place and she, she would, you know, then, in in subsequent marriage, she would be entitled to a ketubah of 200 dinar, at least according to Rabbi Meir. But the rabbi said that, meaning the, the majority of the people, said that the, the ketubah for a woman who's a mukat eight is only 100 dinar, because physically, perhaps in contrast to the others, Hymen has, been ruptured it is not intact so you know it's kind of like saying well practically speaking she's no longer a virgin even though she hasn't at all encountered uh sexual intercourse which is perhaps not fair to her right i think that this is the question and again like the question of how it would come to be right like she she somehow has some kind of rupture right and then However many years down the road she goes and gets married and she doesn't bleed. And we've already gone through all of those cases where Khazal would work so hard to say, oh, but of course she's a virgin. She's a virgin. So we, we understand that it must have been thus and the whatever that gets in the way that prevented her from bleeding or prevented you from seeing the blood, but really she clearly is still a virgin. So uh, how we how a woman who's a mukat eights practically comes to the status of not. Getting a full ketubah according to the, the, the majority view is not entirely clear to me, although the Gemara will of course discuss it. But from just if we're just speaking from the Mishnah, it's not. it doesn't make that clear. And there's a whole bunch of other people whose status um, gets them only 100 dinar in the ketubah, specifically somebody who's not a virgin, right? A widow, a divorcee, a chalutza. Um, all of them would only get a hundred dinar instead of two hundred. And nobody can see to them, you know, oh, but you're not a virgin. They were never supposed to be virgins, right? If they're a or divorcee or chalutza, because they've been married before. So there are certainly cases where a marriage is not consummated, but the presumption is that anybody who's lost her husband to to death or via divorce, or in the case of a chalutza, the assumption is that there has been sexual intercourse with, you know, the appropriate male partner. Now, this is the one that I think, Yodina, will, will bother people, right? Because here's where we're talking about the people where it's just not fair to them, where the presumption is that they have had sexual intercourse, not because they were married and then divorced or whatever, but because of who they are just in their standing. So we talk about a female convert or somebody who is a cat or a maidservant or somebody who was ransomed, meaning, you know, somebody who had been a captive and is now ransomed. Um, and, you know, again, so now she's freed. So now they're, they're converted or they're freed from the bondage. Uh, from the status that they needed to be written from, or whatever it is, right? As long as they are three years old and one day old, three years and one day, then they're considered to be not virgins, and that they would only have a ketubah of hundred dinar, and likewise, they cannot be. Nobody can contest them for not being virgins because the presumption is that they are not. And of course, again, we say this is not so fair because it's a, it's a virtue of circumstance. You clearly you, this girl, you, this woman, um, lost your virginity under these circumstances. And while that may have been the dominant, you know, a, there may have been good reason to assume that, I still feel like it's not really fair. Like, talk to the person or whatever. I understand people lie and they want to avoid that kind of thing. So they start with just, you know, what, what are the norms and let's function on, you know, a basis of consensus or a basis of average. It still seems a little bit unfair.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think you said everything that there is to say about this. These are, I think we have to acknowledge these were scenarios that happened in their time. And so the halakha doesn't deal with these things by saying, um, and I think this might be what's bothersome. I think we want the halakha to say, this is not a situation, morally, this isn't a situation that should ever happen. And the more I do dap yomi. The rabbis don't do. They do a little bit like the way that they say, like, it's preferable to do halitza than yibum at all. Right. But more often the attitude is, okay, these are the situations we encounter in the world as we know it, as the rabbis see it, maybe as the Torah saw it. And so therefore, what's the halacha going to be about those scenarios, about those particular situations? Right. Instead of saying, like, this is something that should never happen. That's not the halachic attitude.
1: Right. I can just say the one other thing that I want to comment on, which happens in the Gemara, I'm going to comment off the daf, um, without reading it inside, is that this question, and I, because I do think that this is this introduction of the mukat eitz is, you know, important. What happens is that if a woman who is then, let's say, she's accused of not being a sword, she says, "But I'm a mukat eitz," or even she says it in advance. So then the question is, you know, now we're in a status, we're in a category of. I would say believability, all kinds of other things. Which is when you, when you are modem sac, meaning when you acknowledge a portion of something, are you are you then presumed to be guilty, not guilty? You know, like, or or can we say, well, you're saying this, so it must be that you're, since you're only part of it, it must be that that part of it is true, right? If she says, you're right, I didn't bleed, but it's because at eights as I didn't believe, but I don't know why, because really I'm a virgin. we got AIDS is still, in terms of her, you know, sexual experience, she's still a virgin. So that can, under- the way to approach that question of what do you do with a um, person, is think, again, I think that it becomes a real, um, it can become a real tank, um, assessment, evaluation, decision-making, and so on.
0: Right, well, I think the parameter, that they're trying to explore is is virginity based on an action or is virginity based on the the hymen no longer being intact well said, we know very well and, said right and like we know that even in our day and age people talk about it that way still you know what i mean like uh I, i'm sure you've all heard of stories you know about there's a question even within you know jewish law like what if somebody wants to have their hymen removed before their marriage or something like that or uh, sorry, I'll give a better example. The question of young girls using tampons, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm sure many of our, you know, learners here have heard of, you know, had a friend who wasn't allowed to use a tampon because their family didn't like the idea of it. So this is sort of a persistent question. You know, the feminist part of me is upset about it, uh, that, you know, has been there throughout the ages. What, what, throughout the ages, what gives you uh, that particular uh, status. And so I think that's really what the discussion here is on, on the DAF itself.
1: That's our DOF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us for viewers where you get your podcasts. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us what you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbi Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn.